Yeah, I said they were doing warm up. Yeah, they did warm up before the game. Thank you, coach. Congratulations kind of for the win, please. Sorry? It is a kind of black magic. Ah! Ah, uh, now you're undermining me. You are saying we won because of black magic. Don't dis disrespect us. Ah! Ah! Hey, I'm very sorry, but you can't be talking like that. Congratulations for the win. And best of luck for the rest. Thank Welcome guys, it's your favorite football show, The Clean Tackles Podcast. I'm your host, Chike, and with the crew today, we'll be talking about Arsenal going back to the top of the Premier League, Nigerian strikers back on the scoring sheet just one week after struggling against Lesotho and Zimbabwe, and of course, that wonderful, wonderful goal by Alejandro Garnacho. Before we kick things off, as usual, let's check in with the crew, the guys responsible for making this show great. Guys, how have you been? Start with you, Dutton. Well, I've been good. Um, good week. Um, so, uh, week side of Tobanga, just work stuff and, and all of that, right? And, and let's just say I'm glad last week is over. I get to rest a bit this week, and that is what I'm looking forward to now. Bio, how have you been? How's your weekend? Uh, yeah, I've been good. Thanks. Um, pretty relaxed weekend. Not much being indoors all through. Um, happy because I have a few days off work this week, so um, that will be my actual weekend, not the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, weekend has been good here as well. It's a bit of a rainy, rainy day here in Lagos. Um, Sunday, we are recording this on Sunday night. I, I watched the Davis Cup final. Uh, I followed it, I didn't start following it from the beginning, but uh, I joined, like, let's say, around the quarterfinals. The Davis Cup in tennis is the equivalent of, like, the World Cup, so players don't, you know, represent themselves individually. It's more like a country setup. And um, I thought this was going to be the year that Novak Djokovic was going to lead Serbia to the title, but it was uh, Sina for Italy. I think this is their first title since um 1976 or thereabouts that was good to watch because at some point in the semi-final they were down one nil to the serbians and it was up to djokovic to finish up the job by defeating Sina. but Sina just rallied back he beat them and of course in the sink the doubles uh they also defeated djokovic and uh, i can't remember his teammate now name misses me but anyway it was well good to see the italians win the title for the first time in 1976 We started at the Etihad where Manchester City and Liverpool drew. Salah. Runners from Gakpo. Takes men away. And what a goal from Trent Alexander-Arnold. And it's their vice-captain with a hole-in-one. And Liverpool are back in the game. Uh, Erling Haaland and Trent were on the score sheet. Uh, Liverpool, they rescued 12 points from losing positions this season. It's the most in the league. And I think they've avoided defeats in 10 of their last... 
11 games in which they've considered first thing. I think that speaks to the resilience of the team. And in my opinion, I think uh, they've somehow closed the gap on on Manchester City. Uh, is this something you agree with, Dorton? Do you think like the teams around uh, Manchester City, they've done a very good job in closing the gap? Um, so I, I think it's relative, right? Um, I think for the first time in a long time, we can actually say there is, um, there's not a two-horse race in England. Um, it, it almost feels like it's a three-horse race with um, City, um, Liverpool and Arsenal as well. So um, if you say they've closed the gap, the fact that Arsenal have beaten City already this season, um, Liverpool managed to get away with a 1-1 draw at the ATL as well. It speaks volume. I think last season, um, both of the corresponding fixtures were won by City, right? And it was even by a goal margin that was more than one. So those teams have managed to squeeze and close the gap between themselves and and City. And now this is taking us away from City because I still think they win the league. Um, I just feel like at least now it's a competition. It's not the stroll runaway or yeah. Or, or what they've turned the league to in recent times and all of that. So it's it's good for the league in general. I, I, uh, I saw something that said um, City were looking to break a record that was 100 years old. I think 24 straight wins at home or something in that line. Yeah, by Sunderland, um, I believe. Yeah, by Sunderland, yeah. So it, it, it was one of those, I don't know, is it Jinx? Where yeah. been, uh, up until like two, three weeks ago, nobody was talking about it. All of a sudden, they build up to this game. Everybody starts bringing out the record books and, and all of that. So, I, I, I thought it was a good game. I, I thought that both teams played very well. Um, I think in the early stages, City was all over Liverpool, but they managed to compose themselves. They managed to stay in the game. Um, Alisson was a bit shaky at the beginning, but it grew into the game. Made a couple of good saves that kept Liverpool in the game. And it was a very good goal by Trent. Um, considering the fact that he had been on skates, They've been skating on the, um, on the ice for most of the game, playing against a very tricky opposition. He still managed to do is what a lot of people refer to as a score function for Liverpool. Because mm-hmm. uh, in, in that team, in that system, they need very little defending from him. Where they need his priorities is actually on the other end of the field. And he delivered for them once again. So I, I think it was a good game in general. City will probably feel they were unlucky to to not get away with um, all three points. But that's football for you. If you get chances, you don't take them. You're keeping the opponents in the game and there's every chance that they'll come back and bite you. Yes. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. And I think speaking on your point about um, winning the league, but um, or rather not strolling to win the league as in previous season, it'll be interesting to see if they see this out because uh, just looking back at the history of European football and um, teams that have won the treble in the past. Um, there have been 10 treble winners. I don't know if we've said this in this poll, but there have been 10 treble winners in the history of European football. Now, before Manchester City, obviously, there have been nine instances where this has happened. Um, and out of the nine instances where this has happened, uh, it was just on one occasion where a treble winner had come, had not retained the league title the following season. So when I so Ajax has won it before Ajax, Celtic, Manchester United, PSV, Barcelona twice, uh, Bayern Is that twice. Inter Milan. Yeah, Inter Milan exactly. So they are the okay. only team to win the treble and not retain the title. Yeah, the I think Milan, season. Milan won in twenty eleven. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think we can even attribute uh, Inter Milan not winning the the title to the fact that Jose Mourinho left right after. Yeah, Rafa Benitez. Yeah, so <laughs> so I think you can attribute that. But yeah, when you look at uh, Manchester City, they've spent quite a lot of money in the squad. I also think that when Kevin De Bruyne comes back, there might be another gear that they get to because I mean. Uh, as much as they've been able to function without him, he's a different class. Uh, I think you and Bayer and even others on this podium you made the point repeatedly that um, Erling Haaland might be like uh, the fan favorite in the team, but when it comes to the importance in that team, I know you guys have mentioned that uh, Rodri and De Bruyne are players that you might place above um, above Erling Haaland. So perhaps when he comes in, when he comes back, uh, we could see them hit another level. But for now, I think this was a very good game. Um, over to Brentford and the Arsenal game. It was a 1-0 win for Arsenal. Erdegaard. Now Saka in towards the far post. It's Havertz! The German makes the difference. And yet again, they're going to strike late this season. And it's another magical substitution. Very late goal from the German left back Kai Havertz. Uh, obviously, he did play as a, he did play that position for them. He came in as a sub and he got that late goal. Like I said, uh, Martin Odegaard returned to the team after being out for a couple of games, and Gabriel Jesus was also back in the starting eleven. Uh, Dottie, do you agree with people that say that Gabriel Gabriel and Saliba have the, the best uh, defensive partnership? perhaps outside Manchester City. So I feel like whenever we talk about football, a lot of people are always emotional about things, right? And people always mistake form for class, form for ability or what I think of form. It's not the craziest thing in the world to say that both of them are the best players centre-back at the moment. But I think if we're speaking purely based on ability, uh, I think um, like when everybody's playing at their best, I don't think they're the best. I think obviously... There's the City combination. There's still um, there's still the Konate and, and Van Dijk partnership at Liverpool, which I think is a very solid pairing. And up until injury destroyed, um, okay, injury and suspension, Romero and Van de Wey were doing very well as Spurs as well. So I don't think it's one of those things where you can actually say that they're the best in the league. I just think you can say that they're the best perform so far so good this season. I think they've done very well. Friendly reminder that Gabriel didn't even start... Um, it, it wasn't starting games till up, up to I think week four or week five. Yeah. Um, it was that period where Party was playing right back for White and Saliba at centre back. So uh, kudos to them. I think they've they've gotten it right at centre back now. It's like they've built um, a, a proper foundation in the team where they can go forward and they can be studied at the back as well. So the most important thing is to recognize that they're doing a very good job. Right, and they know that they're one of the best center backs in all these tags and titles is mostly distractions. And as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, people are setting us up to fail. <laughs> yeah, but at least they, they, but they did look very, very good. In um, I was very, very good because of, of course, Brentford were always going to pose a threat to to anyone who comes to their own home. But I mean, to get a win over the, uh, Brentford and to move to the top of the league. Uh, I think it's a very huge deal. Arteta in his 200 game, I think he has a higher winning percentage than that the legendary Asen Wenger. Of course, Wenger won a double in was it his second season? Was it his first season? I can't remember now. 
so obviously the what they were able to achieve in that period um of course this there's a huge gap in that one but i think to be able to win that many games in just 200 200 games in charge of the team um i think Mikel Arteta has over the past few, over the past two seasons, I, I think we can all agree that he has done a very good job, and it's been interesting to see how far he takes them this season. That's what the league, as I said, and um, we'll see how long they hold on to that position. Uh, to Goodison Park, Everton nil, Manchester United three. Now Rashford ahead of him, Dallo who gets the ball into the penalty area. What a goal that is! Oh my word! Alejandro Garnacho, the Argentinian international, has just scored a wonder goal. Alejandro Garnacho with an all-time stunner for Manchester United to open the scoring. Bio, where does this goal rank for you among uh, Manchester United Manchester United goals in your lifetime? Um, yeah, so it was it was a pretty good goal. It came it came from nowhere, you know. I I, I actually didn't think that Garnacho had that in him. Um, but you know when goal, when goals of season compilations come up, what you usually see are the long range long range screamers or what they refer to as thunder bastards. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think most people have a liking for those, but I think I prefer to personally. I prefer I prefer the team goals, right? The goals that go through multiple uh, players in the same move, right? Arsenal <clears throat> so, a lot of those. <laughs> off the top of my head, like you know, I have I haven't given this much thought. But um, like Anthony Martial against um, Cardiff City was was a good team goal. Um, what 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 other goals? Uh, I think uh, on, the, on top of my head, I can't right? back in the Champions League for against AS Roma back in the days. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, then there was. Uh, are we talking was, strictly United goals? Yeah, yeah, George United goals, yeah. Oh, there's, there's one beautiful goal from Bruno under Ole against Newcastle, away from home. Um, it's Mata, Van de Beek, Rashford. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it's it's one of those brilliant goals. There's another one that I missed. I think it was Rashford. The, the Crystal Palace last season as well, that it went mm -hmm. from side to side. I think it was sure for Rashford. To finish off, United's goal and, and, and if you if you want to go if you want to go the route of screamers, then you know Paul scores against Bradford, uh, David Beckham corner, straight on the volley into the net. So yeah, there, there are too many screamers. Too many screamers <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's even it, it can even get cheeky and throw in Rio against Liverpool. There's Evra against Bayern Munich. I just oh, defenders now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the goals. Yeah, but, but 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 personally, you know, my preference is for well-worked team moves. That, that's my preference. I think Arsenal have scored a few of those over yeah, the yeah. years. Remember those ones? Oh, they scored a lot of Kazola, Giroud. Yeah, those, those are those are the type of goals I I love to see. Football is a team sport, after all. Yeah, but this of course this um, this is right up there. Anyway, to the to the game itself, right? Uh, what did you make of Kobe Meno making his first? start in the premier league for manchester united i mean undoubtedly I, I i believe he was the best player on the pitch even though uh when i checked the app i saw that bruno fernandez had won the man of the match award i don't know who voted for that uh but i, I believe Meno was um the best player on the pitch but what do you think of his performance and do you, how do you think he can help transform this manchester united team um 
you know, I, I think it's been a long time coming. Um, so the talk of preseason was, you know, how well he had performed and it seemed like he was being primed to play a prominent role. But then obviously he got injured in a friendly game versus Real Madrid. Um, you know, and this is his first start since then. This is his first start tops in the Premier League. Um, I think he had I think he had a good game. I also think, you know, from what I know of him, I also think he played within himself, which is understandable. Um, it's his first game. He's played in a, in a particularly hostile away ground, particularly with um, Everton fans protesting their 10 points ban. This was the first game at Goodison since that happened. You know, so it's normal that it's in. You just want to keep things simple, receive the ball, release. Uh, but I think he has much more to his game as well in terms of being able to carry the ball further up the pitch, carry through tight spaces, you know, and evade challenges. Uh, but that will come with time. Um, but I think he he, pro he provides something that United have been lacking. If you look at if you were to uh, if you were to assess United midfielders, possibly with the exception of Christian Eriksen, uh, from Casemiro to Bruno to McTominay, they all struggle to receive the ball when they are facing their own goal. Right, they struggle in receiving the ball and taking it on the turn, right, to to move the play forward. You see, oftentimes Casemiro is dispossessed when he receives the ball in those situations. Bruno Fernandez tries to flick the ball around the corner or launch it immediately once he receives the ball in those situations. But uh, Manu is able to take the ball comfortably, um, what they call on the half turn, right. Um, and move the ball, move the ball through the thirds. Um, so I think you know that that will prove valuable in the coming months for United. But it's still early days, obviously. But you know, um, it's something that it's something that has been missing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, we were talking about it before the show started. How composed he was. How he did the simple things, and you know, as always, say, simple football is one of the hardest things to 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 know to execute you know people like uh, rodri that's one of the reasons why they stand out Declan rice the michael carries of this world those players like that what they do might seem very simple obviously i'm not putting Meno in that class but um just the simplicity of their game but the effectiveness and the importance of how they play um i think it elevates their respective teams and he showed glimpses of that and like you said there's a lot more to come from him this is his this was his first start for the club in the Premier League and also his first game after being out injured for a very long time. He tried to take things simple and he paid off with one of the, I think one of the best debuts that United, United has seen for in a very, very long time from at least the midfielder. Uh, do you think there's a worry that there could be like an dependence on him, which could be too much to ask of a teenager? Well, I don't think United will have that Barcelona problem. First is first. Um, ETH does not really believe in youth football like that, man. His own is, I want to get the job done as fast as possible, right? So I feel like once there's a full complement to the squad, once Casper um, is back, Ericsson is back, Manu's minutes would reduce significantly. But there's a reason why, even when he was fit last season, I think he played two, three games last season. I can't remember the exact number, but I know he started just once last season and it was against Charlton in the League Cup. So I feel like if everybody's fully available, considering the type of games United have, you know, you know, we make jokes about this thing all the time. ETH is going from game to game, right? It's managed to get on the 
unbelievable. But yes, it's actually the best form in the league at the moment. Five wins in the last six mm. and all of that. But you know that the moment that United lose a game, everybody starts questioning his job again. So it's not like he can afford to gamble with his lineup. I, I think my new place is out of necessity. Um, fine, he has eyes for the boy. He thinks the boy is good. He thinks the boy is in his system and plans and setup going forward. But I don't think that he's one of those I need him to play now, 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 now things. So I feel like um, next game is midweek. He went to Galatasaray. I don't think he will start then. I think you get very few minutes if he plays at all. Next Premier League game is at St. James's Park, which is another tough place to go to. Um, I think the next Premier League game after that is Chelsea Old Trafford as well. So it makes like a lot of sense to manage him properly, especially since um, we've seen what has happened all around Europe. You can see players like um, Gavi that's going to miss the Euros, is going to miss the Olympics as well. And this is just November. We're already looking at next season. Right, so if you know that if you don't manage players properly, so I feel like everybody's going to pick initiative from that. Everybody's going to be smarter. I mean, even if you totally eliminate the young stars and you pay attention to all players across board, um, players have been dropping like flies recently. So you just know that it's it's just back fresh from an injury break. So you know that the best thing to do is to manage him properly. I thought I thought it was very very cool composite. Looked like an oldie midfield today. He didn't look like a nineteen year old, eighteen year old. Old. Whatever it is, right? So, um, when the game started, because I caught just maybe like the first 15 minutes before I stepped out. So, when the players were in the tunnel and they got onto the field, I was like, wow, this is noisy. I hope they're not going to intimidate him. But at one point, it looked like he was the one doing the intimidation and, and all of that. So, like you said, it's one of the best debuts in a very long time for United, especially considering the fact that it's just 18 years old. So, you're close to him, and I hope. That they manage him properly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you mentioned St James's Park there. Uh, after St James's Park, we go Newcastle United four, Chelsea one. Newcastle United, they've been missing. They, they've been hit with uh, a huge wave of um, of injuries. They had, I think, three goalkeepers on the bench and three teenagers as well on the bench, uh, but they were able to come up with the three points against Chelsea. But do you think there are worries for Chelsea? No clean sheets in five games, five goals considered in their last two games, or do you feel this is one of those this is one of those you know uh, random collapses teams tend to suffer now and again? Um, so at this point, I think Chelsea would do well to be worried. Um, in it, uh, in it, where during the City and Liverpool discussion, you know, we were discussing how competitive the league is this season, right, where there's only six points between the top six teams on the table. Um, if you extend that further back to eighth place, there are eight points between the top eight, right, and we've seen games where teams take, where teams have generally, where teams among these have generally taken points off each other. Chelsea have also been beneficiaries of that, although in that case, they've mainly been draws. Um but you don't see Chelsea anywhere in that equation, right? Because Chelsea are currently in 10th place. They are, they are about um, six points back from Brighton, who are in 8th. There, uh, there are another, two, there are another um, two points. There are further two points up 
the top six, you know, which you'd expect that they would be they would be targeting um, European qualification in whatever shape or form. Uh, but they, 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 they've simply dropped too many points. And again, they are suffering from injuries. Although I would have said that yesterday was something approaching, you know, their best 11 with the, with the exception of Moises Caicedo who wouldn't play the game. Um, you know, and you, you in, the, in the games against Arsenal and City, I don't know if it was a psychological thing, if they were just able to lift themselves for those games, but um, I think when you're a top team, you need to be able to play, you need, you need more than just emotion to be able to carry you through games, right? So you need that cold, calculated, um, you know, patient type of play, some, some level of ruthlessness as well, which... I just don't see in this Chelsea team, um, you know. So maybe this really is going to be a transition, a transitional season for them, uh, with the number of signings that have come through the door over the last twelve months or so, probably eighteen months as well. Um, I don't know if the owners are willing to write the season off in that manner, you know, with respect to the safety of Pochettino's job. Uh, but it seems like that that definitely a long way off. Park, uh, you know that that they are they are a long way behind Park. Um, so yeah, where this leaves them, where this leaves them for you know a, a busy schedule of games. You know between now and the end of the year, there are lots and lots of games. You know, so it will be interesting to see where they are when the dust settles in that respect. But I think. The distance between them and, and and the rest of the European contenders is cause for worry at this point. And also, we're talking about um, talking about teenage, uh, you know, good performances from teenage players. Uh, Newcastle had seventeen-year-old Louis Smiley in midfield yesterday. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, we talk about teams being ravaged by injury. United fans, Chelsea fans, always like to point that out anytime they play. I think Newcastle actually have been hit they've been one of the hardest hit teams in that respect um also sandro tonali is banned for for 10 months for gambling uh so the, uh willock has been out for a while as well you know um so he fell to 17 year old smiley to start yesterday they had i think about three or four academy players on the bench three goalkeepers yeah. as well yeah. yeah, and then you know, a seventeen-year-old comes on and he, you know, he gives the he gives the assist for for the opening goal of the game. It was a it was a decent performance from him, and I know he's one of the more highly rated English players anywhere around. So it will be another interesting one to follow. Yeah. Um. Okay. Over the Spurs and Aston Villa, in my opinion, the game of the weekend for me was a fantastic game, end-to-end -end football. Turns it around the corner for Tielemans, gets it back again. Ollie Watkins first time, oh, what a goal! What a wonderful finish that was from Ollie Watkins. He won't be denied this time. Watkins gives Aston Villa the lead just after the hour mark. Um, Son had a hat-trick of disallowed goals, while uh, I think Villa also had one of theirs cancelled as well. Um, it's now three losses in a row for Spurs, and they've dropped out of the top four, they're now fifth. Dutton, do you think... And he puts to Koglu's insistence on playing his style of football rather than being more, I guess, conservative is something to be worried about. Or do you feel the long-term results matters? So, um, 
he's insisting or he he would rather nail down an identity on his team and you know focus on the long-term plan rather than you know when a small um, adversity hits the team they change the team from time to time all those kind of things do you think uh, it's more beneficial to look at the team more long term and stick with you know the his ideals his principles rather than change from game to game seeing as they've been hit with lots of injuries as well as um, suspended players so there's something that my my boss is at work and he says that um, when you if you make a mistake or if you do something wrong or if you if your actions lead to bad results or whatever um it always helps to have credit in the bank uh, by credit in the bank it refers to oh everybody knows that on, on a normal day you're better than this your performances are better than this mm-hmm. um and all that. so i feel like coming into the season Nobody actually expected much from Spurs and Postico Blue. And he started very well. He started in the best way possible. And he started in the best way possible. And um, because of that, he already... I, I know at one point they were first in the league. They were top of table and all of that. So uh-huh. it helps that he has built some form of reputation. He has gotten like a couple of good results. He has beaten, um, he has beaten um, Liverpool. Although in controversial manner, he has drawn away at the Emirates as well. He has beaten Man United as well. So if he has um, bad results, especially coupled with the fact that they are injury and suspension reading at the moment, everybody kind of understands, right? So if you, if there's ever a time for you to like stick to your principles, show that everything that you're doing is targeted, is well thought out, is practiced again and again, it's now. Right, because what will happen is uh, he has gone to the press, he has made he has thrown a few jabs at people saying they can't play certain ways because of certain players not available and all of that. So he cannot exactly go back on his word. Mm-hmm. And like sure. I said, the credit in the bank helps a lot. If you started a season, say the way the way United started the season, three losses in a row, after going in front in all three games, it will be on the hot seats. But because of the way I started the season, I think they can afford it. I think they're going to get some players back very soon anyway. Um, I think Romero has just one game left. Um, yeah. They'll probably do a round check. Uh, some of the players will be back anyway. Uh, Bisuma, Bisuma as well will be back for the next game. Yeah. Um, I saw Ben Tako go off injured today. I hope he's not out for long. Because in fact, he just came back from um, an extended break. He ruptured his ACL sometime last season. And he's just getting back into the team. And he went off injured today. Very sad stuff. And he was playing really, really well before the injury as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed for them. I just hope that um, his credit in the bank doesn't run out. Because that's what credit in the bank is. is when you make mistakes, it eats into your your goodwill. And if the goodwill ends up being exhausted, then... Whew, very true. Trouble. Very. Yeah. Very true. Uh, they've been leapfrogged by Aston Villa, who have won four of their last five games. Uh, Villa are just two points behind tabletoppers Arsenal, and of course one point behind Manchester City. Uh, Bayer, do you think Villa's transformation under Unai Emery has been the most impressive by any team outside, let's say, the traditional top six? Or would you go with someone like, uh, say, a Deserby with uh, Brighton? Um, so no, I wouldn't go as far as the Zerbi. If you remember last season, before 
um, Potter was before Potter left for Chelsea. Brighton were doing actually quite well. You know, they were I think top two or three uh, in the league at that time, even though it was just September, right? Uh, but basically, Deserbi came in and was able to keep momentum. If you look at a guy like Eddie Howe, who came in with Newcastle in the relegation zone in November, True. you know, got them, yeah. um, kept them up, kept them up comfortably in the end, and then the following season took them to Champions League qualification. And I think that's a pretty decent transformation, right? Um, in a pretty short space of time. Um, but yes, with Emery, it's actually so 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 impressive, particularly when you talk about when you think about how. His last spell in the in the league went right, and you know, um, Premier League followers judge uh, footballers and managers in such a way that you know, if 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 you've not if you've not done if you've not done it in this particular league, then it's like every every other thing you've done counts for nothing. Um, but I think it's probably right to say that there's a certain environment in you know which Emery thrives, which is the one Aston Villa. And don't forget that Steven Gerrard also had them in the relegation zone um, last season before you know he was let go, and um, you know Emery's record from the point he took from the point he took charge, um, you know, I mean to take them from to take them from relegation for the to European qualification, right? Um, it, it's been pretty impressive. The identity he has given to the team um, is pretty impressive as well. Uh, if you look at if you look at the way they play, they tend to play with something like a four four two. It's like a lopsided four four two, where on one side you have a midfielder, on the other side you have an actual winger with two up top. Um, you know. And like I said, there's just the clarity in the way they play. The, Oli Watkins is in the form of his life. Um, you know, they they've got munching as well. They've recruited well. Um, yeah, I think things are really looking up for them. I I would love it actually if they could keep this up. Um, you know, if 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 he can't, because the more the more competitive the league is, the more teams are doing well. I think. The better, the, be the better products we have to we have to watch, and then to have recovered, you know, he he, he <laughs> since um, since PSG came into money, like he was the first, he was the first PSG manager to lose. Okay, well, not the first because Ancelotti lost to Montpellier in 2012, right? Um, so you know, he lost the league title to that Monaco team in 2017. That ended him a sack. You know, he went mm. to Sevilla, did his thing, won. Uh, multiple Europa League titles, went to Arsenal. Um, you know, <clears throat> went to us, went to Arsenal. No, sorry, Sevilla was actually before Sevilla was before Paris, right? Went to Arsenal. He did okay. Uh, results turned against him. The the environment turned against him. Um, you know, he he went back to Villarreal. He won the Europa League again. Uh, took them to the Champions League semi-finals. Um, he's no matter how you slice it, he's just a really, really impressive coach um, who, you know, who who bring who get, who gets the most he can possibly can out of his squad. And um, yeah, Aston Villa, Aston Villa, um, you know, their team I enjoy watching as well. And this was as we were talking at just before the show came on. You know, we were talking about how. 
Aston Villa have kept, you know, they, they, they are the team that has, you know, kept up, um, opponents offside the most this season, right? Yeah. And, mm. yeah, so with, with, with Spurs, there, there's this talk about how if Postecoglou were more conservative, he wouldn't have lost three games on the bounce and all of that, even though there are no guarantees of that. But nobody was talking about how um, before, before this three-game spell, nobody was talking about Tottenham's high line. It, it wasn't a concern. It was. It didn't seem to be a concern at the point until they started losing. And it's the same way nobody seems to be particularly talking about Aston Villa's high line from a point of concern, right? Which just goes to show you that results are everything. And I think if you put Fair together, point. yeah, if you put together Emery's, if you put together Aston Villa's results under Emery as well as the identity he has given them the clarity he has given them in terms of how they play um pound for pound i think he's one of the he's definitely up there with the best managers in the probably top three if you ask me yeah i totally agree with you i think that was a fair point by uh regarding his style of play and how no one seems to or how no one has a problem with it right now as it's working uh, Brighton, by the way, someone we mentioned, Deserby Brighton, by the way, they won 3 2 over Forest. Their first league win since they beat, uh, was it Bournemouth back in late September? Um, over to Bundesliga, Weather Bremen 0, Leverkusen 3. Jeremy Frimpong and Alex Grimaldo were both on the score sheet. Frimpong has five goals and seven assists this season, while Grimaldo has nine goals and six assists. Uh, the crazy thing, of course, is that these guys are wing-backs. Dalton, I know this is something you mentioned, especially Grimaldo, in, I think, about three podcasts episodes ago. Um, are these guys, these two guys, Frimpong and Grimaldo, are they the scariest attacking fullbacks we've seen since Trent and Robertson in the pre-pandemic era? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um... Again, I always say something, right? Uh, and it's mostly down to uh, what I said earlier, the old emotional thing. And all that. I think so they might flying from their fantastic form. Yeah, they are. Uh, I, remember, I remember a while back, I think uh, late last season, where um, Ronald Koeman says he's not calling Frimpong for the Dutch national team because he's not good at defending or something like that. Anyway, yeah, it's hard to eat up his words. I just called him up a few times now because you cannot ignore form. You cannot... It, you cannot ignore someone that is flying, right? Um, with Grimaldo, I think everybody knew about his quality from uh, his Benfica days, mm. so it's not exactly a surprise, especially considering that most of his goals have come from set pieces or shots, which we all know that he has in his locker. Right? I'll just say that I'm scared of what will happen when uh, Xabi Alonso gets a bigger job. Because what, what what he's doing in the vacuum is is phenomenal as far as I'm concerned, right? I always say that the hallmark of any good coach is to create a system that enhances the ability of your best players and hides the weakness of even your weakest players. Now, if you look around um, that Leverkusen team, they have three center backs that are one on one monsters, like proper dual monsters, in Tapsoba Jonathan Ta. And um, I'm forgetting that person, but they have three. I think it's Kosono. Yeah, I think it's Kosono. Kosono and Tapsoba. So they have three proper dual monsters. They have flying wing backs. 
they have control masters in midfield in Granit Xhaka as well as uh, Palacios, Ezekiel Palacios. Now, the two people that play off Vito Boniface and Hoffman and Ferenwitz are masters of the half spaces. So they create overloads in every area of the pitch in both attacking and defensive sequences. And I don't think there's any world-class player in their team. I think maybe there's a world-class talent in their team. Maybe they are good players in their team. And everybody's talking about how he might be the next Real Madrid coach. Now, I was kind of overwhelmed when you give him players that are actually top quality. Nobody might be able to compete again. I, I know it's jumping the gun <laughs> and all of that, yeah, but whenever you watch Leverkusen play, you just it's more it's more of like wow. How how did they move from this to this? How did they move from this to that? That it's always so beautiful to watch. You really see um you really see uh, a game where they are on the ropes. You really see when their defenders are on your... And they play against good opponents. If you watch the Bundesliga, you know that Bundesliga teams don't joke when they're attacking, right? They're yep. always very, very fast true. in transition and all of that. So for them to be able to create um, scenarios where they are consistently in control, even when they don't have the ball, it's one of those things where... like. I can't say that Ronald Koma was saying rubbish when he said Jerome Frick could not defend. But what Alonso has done is, don't worry, bro. You don't have to defend. The one you are good at, that's what will make you do. So it's, it's, it, and it's, it, it boils down to the story of Trent and Robertson back in the day, I think like three, four years ago, where um, two of them were playing as flying wing backs. Um, Jogger Club was playing the block in midfield of um, Anderson, Milner, and Vinaldom. So even if Trent loses the ball out the pitch or Robertson loses the ball, Liverpool have the two centre backs and those three midfielders in front. And even if they had um, Mane, Salah, and Firmino, you cannot even overcommit because you know that if you are looking to counter and you leave those guys unattended to, you are even going to go behind and all of that. So I'm, I'm just glad and I'm, uh, it's a privilege to experience this Leverkusen this Leverkusen side. You, you would think it's a joke. <laughs> but, I, I, I did not, uh, at the beginning of the season, I just thought that, oh, okay, Bayern is going to run away with the league. The only thing, uh, I'm only concerned for one thing anyway. Uh, uh, it's the initial score period. They're going yeah, to lose uh, so body face and they're going to mm. lose, I think, one centre back as well. But then mm. again, right, it's the hallmark of great coaches. I want to see what Alonso will do without him. I want so, to see so you know, a few things on that. So it's so funny because I think with respect to what you said about Koma, Frimpong and Dumfries are similar profiles. Um, Denzel Dumfries is especially lethal at the back post. And he's a wing back, right? So, you know, he's so goal if he, he's so good as well. If, if you check his goal scoring record, particularly with Inter, you know, um he, I don't think he's had the output that Frimpong has this season. But you know, he's so good. So obviously choosing between those choosing between those two um, it will be interesting in the months ahead. It will be interesting to see because Dumfries has been the mainstay at wing back for Holland now. Um, so it will be interesting to see who goes into the Euros with the starting spot. And when I think about uh, Alejandro Grimaldo as well, you know, this is a La Masia product. He, you know, he grew up as a Barcelona youth player. And if you look at, you know, he was sold to Benfica at a point where at God knows what Barcelona were, were thinking. And if you look at the if you look at the fullbacks they've gone through since he left the club, guys like Lucas Dean, Alex Fairpool, 
you know and the likes and it just goes to show you that you know sometimes prophets are not are really not um, respected in their home country because i mean this is a guy they could have kept yeah you know yeah so i mean um imagine uh, the value they could have got from him you know without having paid a penny uh, but obviously, they always prefer. They always like to go out and buy the, uh, the next shiny thing, you know. But at least they've got Alejandro Baldi now, so that's good. And then when you look at someone like Jonas Hoffman as well, this is someone who is, I mean, he he he. For majority of his career, he has been a touchline winger. Um, he has been someone who has played as on the wings primarily um, in four-two-three-one systems uh, when he was at Gladbach as well. He, he had lots of stints as he went back, um, you know. But he's coming to... doesn't mention how, you know, him and Vert work the half spaces, but he's coming to the Vakuzen and he's had that tactical flexibility. He's been able to adapt to, you know, a new role where he's largely operating in the middle. Um, so, yeah, the Vakuzen are just... They, you know, they have so many elements to them that make them a really special team. Yeah, absolutely right, gents. Uh, moving on in Union Berlin, they finally, well, they, they finally snapped their losing streak, but they could only manage a draw at home to Augsburg. Then they won one. Uh, Bayern were one nil winners over Cologne on Friday. Uh, Hurricane got the goal in that game. Uh, it was his 22nd for Bayern and his 18th in the league. Dortmund, they're back to winning ways, a 4 2 comeback win over Gladbach. Uh, well, RB Leipzig dropped out of the top four after losing to Wolfsburg. Uh, in France, PSG, we are 5-2 winners over Monaco on Friday. Fellow title contenders, Monaco. All four of their front four got on the score sheet. So Mbappe, Kolomoani, Goncalo Ramos, and Dembele got his first goal for the club. Uh, today, earlier today, Nice had the 1-0 win over Toulouse. Our guy, Terry Murphy, got the winner. Uh, funny thing about Nice, now they've kept, uh, I believe, eight clean sheets in a row. The last player to score a, game, a goal against them was Kylian Mbappé back in September in that 3-2 win over PSG at Parc de France. And they're still second in the league. Of course, one point behind PSG and five points above Monaco. Of course, they're yet to lose as well. Uh, Dr. you spoke about the quality of PSG uh, and how to be the difference eventually, and we are starting to see that now. But briefly, just how impressed have you been by Nice and what they are doing? Um, it's a good one for Nice. Um, I always say that in a league where there's no competition, everybody's going to lose their interest in all later. Right? So um, every year, somebody new springs up as PSG's content competitor. Some days is Lille, some days is Monaco, some days is Marseille. This time around, Nice have, have kind of stepped up. Um, I mean, I'm glad it's Nice because I have an extra eye out for them. Um, considering the takeover news at United, everybody wants to know what um, the Ineos group is all about. So I just like keeping an extra eye for them to watch out of their results, um, what they do in transfer window, how they build their squad, who their manager is, and things like that. And I must say, um, so so far so good for them. Um, like I always say, the, the reason why I think that PSG running away with the league is mostly quality. 
and there's no denying that Nice uh, is not on the same level with PSG quality wise. So the best they can do for themselves is to try and keep it up for a bit, um, get into one of the um, Champions League spots if possible. If it's not so, if it's not possible, then European qualification, European qualification might do. As I saw one rumor during the week that um, two teams owned by the same team, by the same owners or by the same board or something like that will not be able to compete in the Champions League as part of um, the drawbacks for the United takeover. So mm-hmm. I, I had to do extensive reading on that to make sure that, oh, okay, if Nice do well and United do well and the takeover is complete, one of the teams is not going to suffer. And uh, yes, none of the teams will suffer. There are plenty of ways to work. Uh, that if there was no way, then I would just start doing bad belly for them because <laughs> I my United in, in, in the Champions League. But yeah, so far so good for them. And I hope they can continue. I I, I was actually following um, this uh, just before the Spurs and Villa game. Out of boredom, I was looking all around games that I could catch up with and just keep myself busy up until the time so i actually saw like five ten minutes of the game it was very slow paced and it was mostly nieces doing they have a very mean defense they really concede chances they really concede goals as well so yeah i i, I think it will be instrumental it, even what that means for them is even in the games where murphy and co are not brilliant up front where they don't deliver the goods they'll most likely stay in the game for as long as possible they'll most likely not lose and one point is always better than zero so yeah we'll see how far you can get them yeah, um, credit to their manager, Francesco Farioli. I think we've spoken about him on this pod. He's one of the quote-unquote disciples of the Zerbi. He's just 34 years old, very young manager, of course. I think one of the interesting things they did in the off-season was to like clear out the old heads that were in the team. So, Ross Barkley, Aaron Ramsey, Cash Bash Michael, Morgan Schneiderlin, some of the players that we are familiar with in the Premier League, uh, they were all let go. And he brought in, I think there's a certain profile of players that he brought into the team. So players that are very good ball carriers. I think there was Morgan Tanson from Aston Villa on loan. And uh, Jeremy Boga from Atlanta. A player who I think uh, he's one of the best one, 1v1 uh, wingers in Europe. I think he ranked in the 97 percentile, I believe, or thereabouts. Uh, and then, of course, the way they build up is also similar to um, the way Brighton sets up. So, if you look at Brighton and the way they start their their, their build up play, I believe Lewis Dunk is one of the key parts of that build up play. He's one of the, I believe, he leads the league in passes, while Rodri is second. Even though Rodri, of course, missed uh, three games or so, but Lewis Dunk is has completed the most passes in the Premier League, which speaks to the importance of him in that Brighton setup, and that is something similar to what Nice are doing. So Dante, you know, obviously the old Dante for Bayern Munich, and uh, Tobido, someone who has been leaked to Manchester United over the past few months, uh, they rank second and fifth in passes completed in um, in uh, League One. So of course, it's, it's similar approach to the way they build up, and um, they have this defensive midfielder. midfielder uh, I think Yusuf. In Daimishi or something like that was a very very good uh, centre back. When in the defensive, in the attacking phase, the guy draws back. They form that uh, sort of back three and it makes it very very hard for teams to penetrate. It's one of the best um, 
defensive midfielders in league at the moment so like i said 34 year old manager um, he's one of these football nerds proper football nerds and it's interesting to see you know how far um he takes them i know Bayo talked about in, in last uh, week's program we were talking about water Mazzari being given the napoli job and how italy seemed to be overlooking managers like this obviously this is mid-season so there's no way they will have gotten uh francesco from nice but you know these are these are some of the fantastic new school managers that are springing out of italian football and like i said yeah it'll be interesting to see how far he takes them um in their dvc psd maintained their 100 percent start of the season 13 wins in 13 games 48 goals scored they beat fc 23 uh second place fair not also won this weekend 4-2 win away at um Exclesia. quinton timber brother to jurian timber was on the score sheet he has six league assists this season uh but the man of the match was santiago Jimenez, who scored a hat-trick i don't know if you guys have watched any part of him this season he leads the league in 16. As in league is Lazio. yeah he has to Jesus yeah, he has to go <laughs> fantastic I, I fantastic saw, player i saw him play that day that's the first time i saw him play ever and to keep it short i'm a believer <laughs> yeah he's, he's 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 going to he's going to be a lot of teams are going to be after him in summer he's going to fetch uh final a pretty penny um at the race is going he's just he's just a gun man you know um yeah but a question for you guys given peter bosch's record the peter bosch we know and love you know since he has come to prominence at ajax then dortmund then Leverkusen, then leon does anybody really think that PSV are going to win this league title? Are you comfortable putting your money on PSV winning this league title? Uh, they've won 13 games in the row, as um, Chike mentioned, and they're currently seven points clear of second place per annum. But it's Peter Bosch after all. So how confident are you guys that they're actually going to go ahead it's, and win? It's very, it's very doable. So as far as I'm concerned, they need two things. Okay, no, one. First is first, Ajax cannot win the league again. So their problems are already cut into two. Mm-hmm. Now they need Ferrano to get out of that Champions League group, so they are distracted and their mind is all over the place. If Ferrano can get out of their Champions League group and they have European distractions, then there's a real chance for them. This is minus what PSV do. I'm just talking about what can hold back their opponents. Do you understand? Um, mm-hmm. If you look at them individually, I think they're playing very well. And if you're playing very well, you know, sometimes I, I think. Um, by we've made this joke on the, the United group where we say that, um, uh, how they say that form is not tactics, momentum is not tactics, right? But sometimes that's what just carries you to the next game. You're in a good run of form, just pack all your players, enter the field, and things will find a way to work for you. So at yeah. this stage, you almost feels like that's how PSG is floating down, maybe till they meet another big team. So, so you know, that. you know, bosses. He's a guy who famously always starts. Yes, he, he, uh, self sabotage. So, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. So, yeah. if you remember, if you remember when he was at Dortmund, right? When he when he joined Dortmund, I think they started. He took over from Thomas Tuchel, I believe. Um, and I think they won their first eight league games on the bounce, and then it just collapsed because he plays this suicidal high line. <laughs> you know and yeah. like you know I, I remember there was a game where they went 4-0 up in the first half against their local rival Schalke 
and then they ended up <laughs> they ended up drawing four four, you know. Uh, so I think it will be interesting to see though. It will be interesting to see if they can actually maintain this. But um, yeah, I, I I I'm not I'm not at the point where I can I can put my money on it personally. Yeah, but to Dalton's point, right? I think the 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 one thing you you feel will work to the advantage does is uh, if Feyenoord goes far in the Champions League. I think uh, PSV are also in the danger of doing that. So obviously they're second in the group, no. uh, in group B no, behind so Arsenal. I think if, if Feyenoord actually drop into the Europa League, that will even be worse. I think the yeah. best thing for Feyenoord is to, if they're not going to qualify, but at this point, looking at the way the group is set up, they will either go into the, in the oh, knockout def, stages of the def. Champions League or they will go into the Europa League. Def, def. Uh, but I'm not saying PSV. They're both in the same. They're both in the same boat. So uh, PSV, they're second in their own group behind Arsenal, of course. And I believe if Arsenal can beat Lens this uh, this midweek, we're going to go to the Champions League later. But if Arsenal beats Lens this midweek and PSV either wins or draws against Sevilla, I think they will all but seal you know qualification for the round of 16 so they too have some you know european football to contend with but it's a good start for them um seven points in the eredivisie is, is a very good cushion and they are scoring 48 goals but like you said it's peter bosch so these early starts we're all used to it and uh, i don't know if uh, if it collapses is on the way but anyway santiago Jimenez, um 16 league goals in 13 games you guys rightly pointed out that is going to be a very hot commodity come the summertime. Um, our favorite team, Ajax, they are out of the problem list, I think, officially. They beat Vitesse 5 0, they are up to fourth. Uh, they have this very young center, center back, Gerald Hato, 17 year old. He was on the score sheet, he opened the score, sheet, the scoring for them. Um, he's had a solid season, and I think an even better week. He made his debut for Netherlands in that, I believe, 6 0 win over Gibraltar. And now he has scored his first goal for, I believe this is his first goal for uh, the team as a professional. At one point, I think he also captained the Ajax team, maybe briefly or so, but I know he was captain. But anyway, um, that's a player we have to keep an eye for in the future, Gerald Hito. Uh, to the Champions League proper, uh, what, what games are you guys looking forward to the most? Um, I'll start with you, Dalton. I want to give all to any game. I beg. United is one of the best. I beg. I beg. As I said, that is good. I said that is good to that guy. That's why I still have a struggle there, right? And um, it doesn't look good for United at the moment. Going to Turkey. I don't mean like back home. Um, you, we all know that um, Rasmus Oylon um, wasn't on the field today. Wasn't on the bench as well. Yeah. Um, you know that he, 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 he pulled up um, uh, the game against Luton with a hamstring injury, so we don't know how long uh-huh. he's out for. Marcus uh, Rashford is suspended. Um, ah, true. true. Yeah, so I, I don't know what to expect in that game. I'm hoping for one minute. You know, it's the hope that kills. Right? So I'm, I'm hoping for a miracle. I feel like um, if United can get the result, I, I don't know. It's a big if. And it also helps that Copenhagen is also in the running for the second qualification spot in that group. So, we might say a good game um, in Germany from Bayern as well. So, um, what may I do during Champions League week is that 
our special group that Newcastle PSG Dortmund mm. and Milan. I try my best to catch as many minutes from both games as possible. Then players that I'm keeping um, extra eye out for uh, trying to look like we spoke about one just now. That's the um, final striker. Um, I also look for Antoine Griezmann. Um, I also look out for this. This guy is Celtic. Is um, Japanese Furuyashi. Um, is the uh, is one of those guys that Iniesta recommended to Europe when he was playing in, in the Japanese league. He said the guy was too good for Japan that someone should snap him up in in Europe and Celtic picked him up and he has a pretty decent goal scoring record for them as well. So I just there's some of these guys that I just like to keep an eye out for and so it's not it's mostly not about the team. It's just oh how did this person do today? How did that person do today? And, and all of that so i'll be looking out for my people then i'll be raising the curtains small to check united's <laughs> results yeah i'm actually going to say uh, the real madrid and napoli game is one i'll keep an eye on because of how hard real madrid has been hit with injuries in recent times um the most recent of course being vinicius is out for i believe two months at least out till uh, the new year uh so i i felt this was going to be like the perfect opportunity for napoli to perhaps try and get a result at uh, the santiago bernabal because in their previous five meetings against madrid they lost four drawn one they've never beaten madrid in club history in the champions league at least but after what real madrid did this evening i think uh they won three nil uh jim bellingham got on the score sheet as well was away from home against cardiff uh i think we're going to school no, I'm not saying I'm just looking at the results, but super good, uh, super, yeah. super good. <laughs> just saying that now, I don't, I don't know how you know Napoli are going to come away with the result, but that's one I'll keep an eye on. Of course, uh, Victor Simon is back, um, healthy. He played against uh, Atlanta over the weekend, came in as a sub, so I'll have an eye on, an eye on that as well. Uh, Bio, how about you? Any of the games you you fancy? Which games are you keeping an eye on? Um, so I think the only, if you look at it, there are only about four groups left in Champions League that, you know, seem not to be settled in some way. <clears throat> so there's the United group, and that's just a battle for second place. Um, I think you also have groups E, F, and H, which involve, obviously, there's the Newcastle, Milan, PSG group. Um, PSG have the chance to exact revenge on Newcastle for that 4-1 victory at St. James's. And, mm. you know, they have every chance of doing it, given Newcastle's injury problems, right? Um, you also have the group that has Celtic, um, although Celtic are out of the running. You have Bayernard, Lazio, and Atletico Madrid, you know, where there are only two points between all of them. Um, so that that's going to be, that's going to be, you know, I think by the end of this match, we, uh, we should see signs of, you know, who is going to take what Lazio face Celtic at home, so that should be a winnable game for them. Uh, while Feyenoord hosts Atletico Madrid, so a lot is riding on that game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, you know. And then obviously the final the final group is, you know, the one where Barcelona, um, you know, uh, Shakhtar, Porto will be, will, be, um, will be fighting it out to see who who leaves the group? So currently, Porto and Barcelona, you know, they are both on nine points. Shakhtar Donetsk are three three points behind, um, following their their shock win against Barcelona. 
Um, Barcelona play Porto as well this week, so depending on how re- how results go, that could that could move Shakhtar at least level with one of them, or that could move Shakhtar level with that uh, with one of them, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those, those, I think those, those are the groups where you really have stuff to play for. Most of the other groups have already been decided one way or the other. Yeah, that Barcelona Porto game is going to be a tough one. Um, Porto, they are in a good run of form. They won, I believe, seven of their last eight games in all competitions. But there's a huge difference in their scoring output in the league uh, compared to the Champions League. So, in the league, I, I believe they have um, 14 goals, no, 15 goals in 11 games. And in the Champions League, they have uh, nine goals in four games. So, huge one there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, that game at uh, that game against Barcelona pans out. Uh, Barcelona, they've actually been very impressive at home. Besides the loss to Real Madrid a few weeks ago, they've won the other games at home. You know, they have 100%. Well, not 100. They've won the other six games at home, I believe. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how those two match up. Uh, final question on the Champions League. Uh, which team has been the most disappointing for you guys after four match days i mean the obvious answer will be to say manchester united uh but i think besides manchester united which team would you guys pick for me i i, I believe it's benfica the last game we saw them in um against uh, real sociedad it was a very very terrible performance they were was it three nil down after uh what was it in the first half, they were 3-0 down, and it would, have, it would have been five. I think two goals were cancelled. or No, one goal was cancelled, and uh, Sociedad missed the so penalty. Sociedad missed the penalty. Yeah, <laughs> so they could easily have been 5-0 down at halftime. A very, very poor performance for them. But uh, in the league, they seem to be okay. I mean, they're joint top of the, the Liga Portugal with uh, Sporting, 28 points apiece. But yeah, they're my most disappointing team in the Champions League. This is not named Manchester United. Uh, well, how about you, Bayer? Which team would you have? I mean, it has to be those two that it has to be those two you've mentioned. Um, mm. There's, you know, uh, United. They ha- there's no excuse for them not getting out of that group into the knockout stages. There's absolutely yeah. no excuse. Um, so that that they they're probably the biggest disappointment. And then Benfica after their quarterfinal run last season, um, you know, in terms of major players, they lost Enzo Fernandez in January. They lost Grimaldo for free to to Leverkusen as well. Um, they lost Gonzalo, they lost Gonzalo Ramos to PSG. Um, so yeah, that's I mean those those are not insignificant losses but still uh you would have expected them to put up more of the fight than to be sitting bottom of the group with zero points after four after four match days um so that's pretty disappointing i think elsewhere you know everyone else still either has a shot at qualifying or you know um they are still in the mix one way or the other everybody you expect sevilla well you could say <laughs> You could say they should be doing better, you know, in a team in a in a group that has PSV and Lons. They are also bottom with two points. We we know um, what they are aiming for. We know what they are aiming for. It's not first or second. We but know. at this rate, they are not going to make it because, uh, well, they they still have a they still have a shot of uh, making the Europa League. Remember. They play PSV, 
um, they play PSV on Wednesday. So if they were to win that, um, then yeah, sure, they would have it. They would have a chance of going into their beloved Europa League. Uh, Dalton, how about you? Which team has been? <laughs> I, I think I know your answer. But just for the record, which team has been the most disappointing team in your opinion this season? Um, okay, so those three teams that by as well, they're the easy, um, they're the easy picks. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, in my own opinion, um, it's going to be very disappointing as well. They played four games so far, they scored two goals. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost um, just one game. But they've, they've won only one game in that group, right? And the only yeah. other team that's won one game is Newcastle. I feel like they've lost games or they've failed to win games where they should be picking up points. Um, I saw their first game against um, Newcastle. You know, they were very disappointing on that night. And, and all of that. Um, they have it all to do to get out of that group because I think their remaining two matches are Dortmund and, Dortmund and Newcastle. Right, Newcastle, yeah. Iwi, and Dortmund. I think they put themselves in a bad position. Um, for a team of that, they're probably the biggest team in that group, name-wise, not player-wise. I think Very true. Seven Champions League titles. Yeah, exactly. So they should be getting out of that group, but they put themselves in a dangerous position. Because they're the only team in that group with a negative goal difference. But that's why I just said it's disappointing. Right. I also think that um, Celtic have been disappointing as well. Right. If you have a group of Atletico, Lazio, and Feyenoord, um, that gives you a fighting chance of getting out of that group. They've done nothing, absolutely nothing, with that fighting chance. They picked up only one point so far, and um, yeah, you say they've considered a lot of goals, but half of those goals came in one match where they had um, someone sent off very early, and I don't know that. I think that they're forced to record with at home. They do very well in Celtic Park. I always call it um, organized chaos. It's, the stadium is always rocking, and it's very difficult for opponents to go there. So, despite that comfort of being at home, I know that they've done absolutely nothing with it as well. I think that's where they've picked up their only point. I think it was against Atletico. Yeah, but again, they've done absolutely nothing with all the things, the luck of the draw. It's the same way United have no okay well it's not it's not on that level because obviously United is a much better team than Galatasaray and um, Copenhagen. But I feel like if Celtic cannot get out of this group, then there's no use of them getting into the Champions League next season because I don't think we'll get an easier group than this. So it's just coming to mark attendance and going back home. And and but I think I think that's that. No nothing special, no other big name. We've called United, we've called Sevilla, we've called um, Benfica, so yeah, yeah. Those are yeah. To, to them. That's all. Yeah, an excellent point. Pointing out uh, Milan, uh, Rafael was he's been injured. He pulled out of the Lecce game, the two-two draw, just ten minutes into that game uh, before the international break. He hurt his hamstring, which is going to be away. He's going to be absent for this uh, game um, against. Dortmund, and um, it'll be interesting to see if he makes the final game of the group stage against Newcastle. Um, anyway, that'll be it for the first part of the show. Up next, Birdwatch. Welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tacos podcast. 
On Birdwatch, we talk about our favorite birds, the Super Eagles and Super Falcons, as well as all things Nigerian football. Uh, Dr. this past weekend, um, I got a message from one of our listeners. He said we're always talking about Birdwatch, but that when you talk, sometimes we hear a dog barking in the background, and perhaps we should start a dog watch bit where we get updates from you and your dog. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, that's my first song. <laughs> All the dogs do. My dog's name is Klaus. Klaus, okay. okay. Yeah, so is is um my dog is needy. So normally at nights around the period where we record is when he normally eats. So uh, once I'm wasting time to give him food, I start hearing the noises and, and all of that. So anyway, eventually it's so that's what's important. <laughs> interesting so class one of these days he has to join us on the pod to you know we have to get his thoughts on you know Louis, the Luis Suarez bite or something similar you know to know if it's up to standard and stuff like that anyway anyway Nigerian football our strikers seem to have found their scoring boots uh this past weekend Terry Murphy got the winner for Nice we spoke about Nice earlier a bit uh, to lose one nil Terry Murphy was the one that grabbed the goal Umar Sadiq scored a world against Sevilla earlier in the day. I don't know if you guys saw that. A proper what a goal. Se retourner, progresser dans le camp adverse. Umar Sadiq, le Nigérian toujours au ballon au pied. Quelle frappe! Umar Sadiq, tout seul comme un grand, très grand même. Le Nigérian marque son deuxième but cette saison. A proper banger from outside the what, what a goal. If you'd seen um, Oyazabal's reaction. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Fantastic finish. Ademola Lukman as well. He got uh, on the score sheet in the two-one loss to Victor Simeon's Napoli. Uh, was a, was a good header to pull them level after Parascalia had given Napoli the lead. Uh, Victor Simeon came off the bench to provide the assist for Elif Elmas. Well, speaking of Nigerian players scoring, it is time for this week's quiz. Bio, you're on the hot seat this time around, so unmute your mic. Um, so, question There have been seven instances where a Nigerian player has won the AFCON Golden Boots, either jointly or outrightly. However, only three players have won the most valuable award in that competition. Only three Nigerian players, sorry. Which one of these players is not one of those three? Okay. A. Emmanuel Leminike. B. Austin Jejo Kocha. C. Rashid Yekini. And D. Christian Chuku. Jejo Kocha. Final answer. Final answer. Uh, wrong. So, Jejo Kocha won. The MVP in 2004, Rashid Yakini won it in 1994, just uh, a decade before that, and Christian Chuku won it in 1980. The answer is actually Emmanuel Emenike. Yeah, so it happened in Emenike, right? Emenike yeah. won, the, he won the Golden Boot in 2013, but he didn't win the MVP award. Yeah, so Okota was good. He, was, he won the MVP in 2004. No, no, no. That's yeah. strange. 
yeah. I, I actually, I, I actually don't remember that. I actually don't remember that. I mean, when I was going through it, I was, I was, I was a bit surprised yeah. as well. Just going through the records and seeing that. Because I remember we lost, we lost in so, the semi-finals so yeah, to Tunisia, right? So yeah, it actually makes sense that that he won in two thousand and four, right? I I remember that oh four was the year that we beat Cameroon in the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and we lost yeah scored a free kick and yeah. we lost in the yeah, same we lost to Tunisia, Tunisia, right? yeah he scored in yeah. that game as well he scored a penalty in that game yeah. so, so wasn't, that, properly, wasn't that the tournament where this Brazilian guy that was playing for Tunisia at the time Dos Santos yeah. Uh, yeah, the, he scored about 7 goals or something I thought that no, he would have I don't think anybody scored 7 goals I think JJ, JJ even so finished as uh, the joint top scorer yeah he was joint top scorer I think he scored 4 or 5 yeah no they all scored 4 they all scored 4 I'm trying to Jaziri yeah yeah so Jaziri. it was it was that Jaziri tournament where they ended up beating I think Morocco in the final yeah, yeah. Where, like the uh, yeah. where one of the Haji brothers, the younger Haji brother, you yeah. Said, Haji. yeah, 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 yeah. It, it actually makes sense that it was it was MVP. I, I, I cannot remember who was in our group that year, but I know we played Cameroon. I know it was um Otaka yeah. and JJ that scored in that game after Umboma put Cameroon ahead. Yeah, my, my memory is still good. Mm. Uh, Ooh, yeah, that's twenty years. Jesus Christ! You're getting yes, you're getting old. So our group was Morocco, South Africa, and Benin Republic. Um, I I have the memory of that group stage. I was probably <laughs> reading for my common entrance. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, if you say so. Uh, our biggest our biggest win was four zero against South Africa. I'm looking at it now, Joseph Yobo, JJ, uh, or some um, or the wingy brace. Ah, then Wingy, the player, the player back there. So we finished third. I mean, third place, and uh, JJ scored in the third place game. So yeah, it makes sense that uh, he won it. Anyway, back to one player who definitely won't be winning the Afcon Golden Boots this uh, in this next uh, edition. Taiwo Awuniye. He's been reported that he'll be out for months, and of, like I said, he's going to miss the Afcon. Uh, Bio, what impact do you think his absence is going to cause um, for Nottingham Forest? Because I think in Nigeria we have more than enough to, uh, you know, soldier on in his absence. But just on the club level, how much do you think um, Forest is going to miss him? Well, they're, they're, they're going to miss him. They're going to miss him. Where, where are the goals going to come from? Um, so... <laughs> You know, for Forest are not the most creative team. I remember we remember how uh, important his goals towards the end of last season were and keeping them up as well. Um, for me, I, I I just don't know where the goals are going to come from from them. I mean, Anto- Antonio Elanga has he has had a decent season. He has chipped in a few goals here and there. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his first replacement is Chris Wood, isn't it? That's the mm, first yeah. alternative striker. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't see. <laughs> I don't see where the goals are coming from. They've lost Brennan Johnson as well. Uh, he went to Spurs in the summer. Um, <laughs> I mean, Elanga. Elanga is doing okay, but it's, it's going to be. It's going to be tough for them. It's, going, it's actually going to be tough for them. Mm. Well, I expect it's going to be. I expect it's going to be another, another relegation, another relegation dog fight. Yeah, it's just that. Um, oh, Bayer, like, let me not let me not lie for you. Uh, 
Luton, Burnley, <laughs> Sheffield, Everton with, Everton with minus 10. That time is not in any relegation. <laughs> this thing I make to next season. They'll drop a couple of points, obviously. Some of the games where they could have snatched draws or some of the games where they could have snatched one zero wins or whatnot. Maybe this is one of those maybe this is one of those things where you know at the end of the season you guys will play this clip. But I assure you everything are not getting relegated. Oh no, no. So you know we, oh. we spoke about this last week, right? Yeah. At, yeah. at the beginning of the season I was hundred percent sure that Everton was going to go down. But now that I've seen everybody play and I've seen everybody play over a period of time. Right, the only thing that might come back to bite Everton is the ten points reduction because there are definitely three teams that are worse than Everton in the league right now. Definitely three. Not that is um sh- is shaky between this and this. There are clearly three worst teams. I mind you, we've not even spoken on Bournemouth, right? Even though they, they seem to be picking up points at the moment, right? Yeah. Bournemouth also started season in terrible manner. So you're looking at Sheffield, Luton, and Burnley first. You're looking at um, Everton minus 10 points. You're looking at Bournemouth as well before you even get to Forest. So um, I don't think they'll be involved in that scrap. If you put a gun to my head now, I'll tell you that Luton, Sheffield and Burnley are going back. It's that simple for me right now. But obviously, you know how football works. In the next five, six games, things can always change. And and all of that. Like I said, at the beginning of the season, I was 100% sure that Everton was going to get go down. But in fact, the number of points they've they've picked up this season doesn't even fully tell the story of how well they've played because they've played very well in some games and they failed to pick up any points at all. And in all the games where they've picked up points, they've deserved the points fully. Do you understand? Meanwhile, teams like Luton, Sheffield, um, and um, Burnley, they've stolen points. There's the, the I think it was the Wolves game. There's no way in this life that Sheffield should have picked up a point. Talkless of all three points that day. Do you understand? So, mm-hmm. you see results here and there that will look very, very funny to you. So, I, I, I understand what you're saying about Everton. I just feel like Forest will not get into that scrap. Forest will probably even finish ahead of Everton in the table. So, I think I think the one thing most of these teams have in common is they don't have a source of goals. Right? Forest, you wouldn't have put Forest in that category before this our only injury but of course january gives them the opportunity to react right uh-huh. but if you look down the table after forest maybe with the exception of bournemouth who have sholanke but i mean sholanke is a good player but i don't know um uh, if he if he has the service you know required um but fulham absolutely struggling struggling for goals they can't buy a goal for love or money you know with <laughs> with the um, with Raul Jimenez as number nine, <laughs> you know, um, Sheffield Sorry. United as well. They, they spent, you know, they spent a, a ton of money on on forwards, you know, this season as well. I think Cameron Archer, you know, from from Villa, um, Burnley as well. They can't buy a goal, you know. Uh, Everton, as long as they have Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for me, if they keep him fit, easy they stay up. Yeah, I think solid points here. I think, um, I mean, obviously, we don't wish injuries on any player, but I feel like out of the the abundance of strikers that the, Nash, the Nigerian national team has, if there's one player that we can afford to lose, uh, perhaps it's a player like Taiwan Wani, because in Victor Simeon, we have someone 
who's ahead of him and who I mean let's be honest is a better version of him uh, are you sure but, are you sure will be available for the Nations Cup uh, that's another thing you know? that's another thing <laughs> that's another thing uh, but there are other player that I didn't want us to lose and that was Victor Boniface simply because of his ability to combine with other forwards he's someone who can play off the striker and also as a top nine so I, I feel like he is I mean, besides Victor Simon, who is like the most valuable forward that we have, I feel like uh, Victor uh, Boniface was the second most valuable forward that we have, or striker to be specific, that we have. Uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, Victor Simon doesn't develop his own injury. That no, if, if our strikers can shoot, if our strikers can shoot like um, Omar Sadiq today, we don't have any problems. We don't have any problems at the Afcon. I think there's just something about that that uh, green white green. When they see that, they can they just lose their ability to shoot. Uh, it was very painful when I just found out that. I mean, all of them they are scoring. Even even at the middle, look man, they couldn't control the ball to save his life. He was flourishing against uh, against Napoli over the weekend. It was very painful, but happy to for them. Fair, to be fair, right? Uh, number one, Poseri is not their coach. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. And true, number true. two, they don't have to be worried about their goalkeeper. <laughs> I prefer not to speak. I prefer not to speak. Uh, okay, so we'll round this up with the NPFL updates. Um, I didn't watch much of the NPFL this weekend, caught very little of it. But my guys, the Enugu Rangers, they lost in the Oriental Derby to Abiyawars despite traveling in their uh, to match outfits. Uh, very painful loss for us. We've slid down from first in the table to sixth now. Uh, Lobby Stars, back on top of the table right now. Doma United, uh, I believe, drew so their second. Remo Stars drew at home, I believe, as well. They slid down to fourth. Uh, yeah, Remo Stars played um, Doma United at home. Okay, yeah, yeah that's true, that's true. Yeah, they, so it yeah, a, they it drew. Was another, um, Kingdom Mosai masterclass. That's the goalkeeper of Doma United that had to assist um, in the game against Gombe United. I think yeah, I yeah. yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Uh, Sporting Lagos, they fell to Sunshine Stars. Yeah. Yeah, regular every results. We, we, how do you say that in the game? So we, we find it difficult to do it from home. And I think it's, um, I think our best. Performance, not necessarily results. We've only gotten one point on the road, and that was against um, Aqua United. Um, best performance away from home was at Ikenia, and that's at Remo Star Stadium. Yeah, and we make you know. inside mm. jokes where we say they've become the players have become a, a bit reliant on these supports, right? Like we push them all the way whenever we are. Mm. So fair, whenever fair they point. get outside the stadium, there's no noise, there's no chant, there's no song because. That sounds strange to you. We have songs for almost all the players in that team. Uh, you, if you don't, if you, if you've not been to Onikon, you will not believe it and you will not understand it. So yeah, um, it's 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 sad because if you want to get into good positions, you have to pick up um, points away from home. Also, it's it doesn't help that Sporting Lagos lost two players today to injury. Um, People complain about pitches in Nigeria all the time, but I think Sporting Lagos have been one of the. Um, is it? The, the condition of pitches have done them the worst. Like, uh, I think it was in. What game was that? 
does the same game that Ali Salaudi and Patrick Egonu went out in George. Both of them are back now, by the way. Both of them started today. Um, mm-hmm. Today, Godin Odibo and Chisomoji also went out in George. So, I don't know. Open, open for the best in regards to um, during this. There's also big news from Sports Lagos Camp. Um, top scorer Jonathan Aluku was missing today. There are rumors that he's out of the country for trials somewhere in Bulgaria also so um it's a good one for him not necessarily a good one for sports Lagos because <laughs> if you want to do well in the league you need all your players on deck right mm-hmm. um if you lose him you probably need to get a replacement and all of that and transfer business in the NPFL is always very very tedious and, and all of that um no you have to be careful you have to be careful when you say Next up game is against um, difficult customers. We welcome Katsuna United to Nico Stadium on Sunday by four o'clock. Be there. Chiki, I'm dragging you with me this time around. Ah all right, all right. You don't have a choice. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh voila. because you because you and I think I think that's a game that uh Sporting Lagos should be winning, so no hala, I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, okay, just to round this up, Aimba they picked up an away win against bottom of the table, Heartland. Heartland, they are still without a win in 10 games. Proper relegation staring them in the face, even though they're just four points away from safety. Now, now, now the 1-1 draw uh, at Unico Stadium even hurts extra because mm. Heartland offered not, nothing, nothing in that game. Right. It's very unfortunate. Sports Lagos are very unfortunate to be behind by that uh, own goal. Um, long throw, mix up in the box, and all of that. But then again, that's football. You win some, you you lose some. Yeah. Well said. Um, that's going to be it for today's show. Uh, looking forward to a week filled with Champions League football. Um, I just remember there was something I posted in the group. Earlier today, the Galaxy FC coach uh, from um, what was it Tanzania that went all the way to Waidad AC the Calf Champions League. He beat them, and one of the the, the journalists there that was in the part of the press conference was very uh, what was the word unprofessional. One of the questions he asked. Yeah, I said they were doing warm up. Yeah, they did warm up before the game. Thank you, coach. Congratulations kind of for the win, please. Sorry? It is a kind of uh, black magic. Ah, ah, now you're undermining me. You are saying we won because of black magic. Don't dis- disrespect us. Ah. Hey, I'm very sorry, but you can't be talking like that. Congratulations for, Thanks for, very much. Congratulations for the win. Thanks. And best of luck for the rest. Thanks Thank you, coach. Thanks. Thank Thanks. you for Thanks. your Thanks. Asking the coach if he used black magic in the in his one year win over whether that is uh, like uh, I said, journalists the, are so annoying. Look, see, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm not a trained journalist. I have studied absolutely nothing on journalism, but I want to believe that that is just poor journalism. Journalism, uh, uh, journalists are so annoying. Oh, Amen. They're, they're so. There's this interview that I saw a while back of um, 
it, it was on Palma, right? Um, okay. I think it was when Palma was called up to the English court for the first time. So they asked okay. him questions about um, number one. Um, when he went to join um, City's Odo and Haaland dragged him away, that was oh, it. Oh, yeah. anything and all of that. They also told him that, oh, okay, there's this viral video of him um, trying to, that was rapping along on TikTok that had the video come about and, and all of that, right? First time in the national team, um, mm. they asked him questions that made him feel comfortable. Isn't it? Do you understand? If some people here, they'll ask you that, ah, you've played for Chelsea, you've played for City. Is Pochettino better than Guardiola? Also, <laughs> <laughs> very, very weird and funny questions and all of that. So, I don't know, maybe it's just us because I know that, yes, some of the European journalists who are also annoyed, they're very annoying. Maybe it's a journalist, today, but I, I feel like we should do better. There's absolutely zero reason or zero rationale. To be speaking about black magic as a factor for result. If if I use black magic to win tomorrow, to win today, that means I cannot I cannot lose again. Huh? Every no, match I'm just not. using my black magic going forward. So what's the rationale behind that? Why am I now training my players? Why are we doing that? Why are we in fact I don't even use my black magic? Nobody will come to the field. They give us three points, walk over easy. So let's <laughs> as in proper thoughts should be put behind all these things, man. Yeah, like I said in the group, uh, Galaxy coach uh, Morena Ramore Boli is a better human being than I am because, honestly speaking, and what he did was to walk out of the press conference. If I was me, nothing would have stopped me from removing my shirt and stoning that journalist. So, big uh, up to him, he's a better human being than I am. <laughs> honestly speaking. Um, anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of the pod. This is 11.54 p.m. Thank you guys for your time. I know it is very late. Uh, thanks, Bio. Thanks, Dotson. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, please share, subscribe, leave a review when you can. Uh, follow us on all social media platforms. Keep the conversation going and have a great week. Cheers.